Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app Filter Off to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it. So, what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape Forever. was in full swing in 1997 when Save Ferris blew up on the scene out of nowhere with a catchy cover of a one-hit wonder. Ironically, it also became their only hit. This week, we're joined by Eric Taft to break down the bizarre history of Save Ferris, why we love Ska, and to determine once and for all if Save Ferris brought the thunder or if your biggest hit being a cover automatically makes you a bit of a blunder. Guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. 
right, elephant in the room. We're going to get it out of the way real quick here. You chose a one-hit wonder whose one hit is a cover of another one-hit wonder. I know, I know. And it's, so my reasoning for that is twofold. Uh, One, Matt showed me the list and uh, I feel like you guys have covered a ton of ground on this show already. And as far as things that I felt confident in speaking to, this was one of the only ones. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of torn as to whether, actually, funnily enough, also on the list was Dexie's Midnight Runners. Yes. Come <laughs> on, Eileen. So, you didn't uh, choose that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. You're, you're sure? That's right. But I do get it. I get why you did. We both have a lot of experience in the musical world of 90s ska. <laughs> and whether it is listening to it or playing it or being influenced by it. You and I both have roots in that. So I understand why you would choose this song. Yeah, absolutely. As far as this song goes, this is kind of mind blowing to me. This band who, of course I knew this song. And to be honest, I knew one other song by Save Ferris as well. And this is pretty wild because I was a huge ska fan, ska punk, you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily like, the early roots ska. I can't, I can't claim that I was into ska before like the nineties right, punk right. ska, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like I'd, be my, in, I'd be in that category too. I would say, right. My history of ska begins at like operation Ivy. <laughs> that's sure. like, okay. that's like where it starts for me. This band is kind of seems like they were a product of the explosion of ska. And they kind of just like grabbed on because it's not like they have some big body of work or something. Right. What I'm getting at, it doesn't seem like they paid a lot of dues before they had this. It feels a little manufactured. Yeah. And I, you know, when I discovered Save Ferris, it was, I was younger. And so that didn't really bother me. I think the same way that it probably bothered you. I happened upon ska music through, you know, like playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and hearing Goldfinger. So I was just like, okay, who else is like this? And so I f- came across Save Ferris at some point and, uh, you know, oh, they haven't done a whole lot. They haven't really paid their dues, quote unquote. That didn't bother me probably the way that it bothered you yeah i mean i'm not even saying that it bothers me necessarily it's just surprising especially there had to be a lot of (laughs) ska bands at that time that were really pissed about this i would say sure Sure. (laughs) that being said okay you want to talk about ska like dude i love ska music but let me put a little bit of a disclaimer on that i think ska music at its best is heartfelt, danceable, uplifting, Mm -hmm. awesome music. Yes. But I think ska music at its worst is circus music that's a soundtrack to pizza rolls. (laughs) You know? Right, 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 right. It can can cross that line into cheesy really fast. Right. And I think for me, a lot of times that line comes in the form of over-the-top horns. (laughs) Obviously, the horns are are a big part of ska music a lot of times, although there are some really great ska bands without any horns. You know, Mm, as as you and I know, that's not the end all be all. But I am a big fan of when they're used tastefully. (laughs) And sometimes some of those ska bands from the 90s, not going to like name names and stuff. I'm sure that off mic, we could talk about some of them, but there were some that they got too insane. When I would see some bands live and the the horns were just overpowering everything and so loud that it became 
like I don't know. <laughs> like yeah, well, it's just it's just like yeah, it's not necessarily the strongest arrangement or songwriting decision. It's just like oh, we have these horns, we're gonna use them ad nauseum everywhere we can every dead space there's gonna be a horn line just because they're here and that's doesn't necessarily make for great composition right but to talk about some of who i believe are the best (laughs) from that era which i'm sure that we're going to agree on these i mean mighty mighty bostones have Mm -hmm. just they're technically a one-hit wonder (laughs) which is insane to think about like you or i wouldn't necessarily think of them that way. But honestly, like, yeah, they had some other minor hits. But the impression that I get is like... That was a smash. That That was a big song. Yeah, that was the hit. And, you know, uh, Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish. And Mm. those are... When I think about the the ska explosion of the nineties. And, and those are the three bands that I think have like stood the test of time. Yeah. And when you, when you mentioned real big fish, I think that they're one of the bands that does the on the nose thing very well. Like uh-huh. it's, it's very self-aware ska, but it's like, it's not the cheesy kind. It's not, it's not, you know, lyrics about unity. It's not that end of ska, but it's more, you know, like I'm saying a little on the nose, but it's very self-aware and it's still heartfelt. It doesn't feel too try hard in most cases. Right. The Real Big Fish, they once in a while, the horns get a little little wild with Real Big Fish. Yeah. But I, I will say, as as a person who toured with Real B- Big Fish for an entire summer in uh, 2005, I think it was, that they are the tightest band on earth. And yeah, there's been a lot of member changes even since I toured with them. But even still, I saw them at the last Warp Tour before Warp Tour yeah. ended. and. They were awesome. <laughs> and great. I think a, a big part of that is what you just said. There is emotion and you, you could tell that, that there's there's heart behind the songs and it's not just like a wacky. Yeah, I thing. mean, they're definitely like a strong, like introductory ska band. If you're going to be like, what's the ska all about? It's like, well, listen to Real Big Fish. It's a little bit goofy. It's a little but it's honest without you know, turning to something super serious or something very like preachy for lack of a better word, but like, you know what I'm saying? Very like, right. there's the social side and then there's the more party side and you can have or both. Fairs. Yeah, you can have both. You can have both, you know, and, <laughs> sure. and, and also there were the bands that weren't necessarily ska bands, but had a lot of ska songs. There are more punk rock bands that had ska songs. I mean, rancid, obviously suicide machines. Yeah. Offspring. Uh, just, yeah. So, so many, so many bands, hey, dude, you were hard pressed to find a punk rock band, especially in the 90s. It yeah. didn't, didn't have like one or two ska songs on their right, album. Right, <laughs> exactly. And a lot of them featured the horn players from Real Big Fish. On right, it, was yeah. just like, it was like whoever was around and, uh, you know, they got a lot of mileage out of the session players. And But yeah, totally. There's like Offspring, No Effects. I, Goldfinger. I think, well, yeah, Goldfinger has, I would say, hang ups as a pretty solid ska record true True. and their self-titled before that had some had some moments yeah i still consider goldfinger a a punk band but their ska moments are great honestly goldfinger as far as like ska punk music i think they have some of the best ska songs you know i think about that first self-titled album and then yeah hang-ups but getting into say ferris now say ferris was somewhat involved in that Goldfinger and Real Big Fish world, correct? Is, yeah, right Monique sang on uh, She Has a Girlfriend oh. Now, and I believe that was before that was before It Means Everything came out. So were they, did they just have their EP out? Because she she was around, right? She was performing with, she sang, did that feature on uh, Real Big Fish, and then right. 
it seemed like, yeah, she was kind of in that circle. I don't know too much about the rest of the guys. I don't know too much about the band. Oh, well, it seems <laughs> doing the research of this that neither does really anybody, I guess, because <laughs> what I found really strange is, okay, like I told you, I knew Come On Eileen didn't have this album, and which is surprising considering I was so into Scott. But for yeah. some reason, I didn't have this album. Maybe I was, I bring this up a lot on this podcast, but maybe I was too cool for it. Maybe it was like, <laughs> I love ska, but this was like, it's a cover song that's big and I'm just not interested in the rest or something like that. And then I remember it was a couple years later, I was in college and my buddy PJ and I had a radio show at Duquesne University for like, I don't know, not even a whole semester. And on top of that, wh why we didn't continue with it is because the radio station at our college you could barely get reception of it in the building that we broadcast from. The signal was so weak that we were just like, whatever. But the one thing I took away from that was there was this Save Ferris song that we had got on like a promo CD called Mistaken, which uh, it was from a couple years later after this where they just dropped all the horns, no ska, straight pop punk song. And it was a really good song. You know, I think I, I liked them a little more after that, but that's far as I went into their catalog. So... In preparation for this episode, I dove into the album, It Means Everything, which yeah. <laughs> you named the album after a line in the, in the cover, cover song. song. Yeah, I know. Well, <sighs> okay. I will say this. There's a song towards the end of the record where the line in the bridge is, it means nothing. It means everything. It means Ooh. nothing. It means everything. I haven't listened to this record since I bought it used at Soundgarden in Baltimore, probably 2004 four five because okay. i thought the same thing i was like oh weird the whole record is named after a song uh that they didn't write okay i tried to make that connection i think that gives it a little it makes it a little bit better <laughs> yeah maybe hey dude honestly maybe they had that song and then they were realized there was that line and then they realized oh they say that and come on eileen and then they were like wow that would be a great ska cover maybe but what is what is the it what is what is it? I would assume that it is playing music. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is to, to Monique, honestly. So I dove into the album and I got to say this. I don't know what you use to listen to music. Nowadays, a lot of people use Spotify. I use Apple Music. I've never seen this before, man. But Save Ferris's Apple Music page is kind of a mess. Really? All the songs on this album, except for Come On Eileen and one other one, they have the name of the song and then a number after it. Like as if oh. someone like screwed up uploading the files to Apple Music, which is like Ugh. so Bush League, man. <laughs> it's not like that on Spotify because that's what I use to refresh. Yikes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like, whoa, you're, you, somebody just uploaded these files and never checked, never cared to check. Like that it, it says like whatever the name of the first song is and has a one after it. Then whatever the next song has a two after I'm like, did I like upload this to my phone and not know? No, that's how it is on Apple Music, which is strange to not care about that. The second thing I found really strange about it was that the band picture is just a drawing of Monique wearing a big necklace that says Monique. <laughs> and then when I looked into what was up with this band, and I'm doing the little air quotes when I say band, then I realized like maybe why that was. And I don't know if you saw that. Did you see any of this stuff, Eric? Possibly. I don't know what you're about to say. So uh, well, maybe. Basically. <laughs> that everyone, uh, that the lineup that came back in 2017 is 100% different except for Monique. And, and yeah, and her original band members didn't even know she was doing that. 
I had and, caught wind of that a few years ago. Yeah, someone had mentioned something like that, and I was like, that seems strange. <laughs> That's not how I would choose to do my business. But yeah, I don't know. And you know, you and I don't know the story. Who knows? Not. Maybe it was a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and maybe, maybe Monique did all the work, wrote the songs, and then if we knew the true story, we'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But just from what we know here in front of us, it seems pretty shady to not tell your band that you're just going to go, you're going to tour with all new musicians and and play shows under the name and not tell them about it. That seems weird. The original band members ended up suing her mm. and they claimed that she never contacted any of them before reuniting and booking the shows. And then, you know, Say Ferris did a crowdfund thing in 2016 for a new album. There's an EP that came out in 2017 called Checkered Past. Okay, I listened to that. Uh-huh. I, well, I I skimmed through it, and I assumed that it was like because it was called Checkered Past that it was like old songs. Yeah, old songs or like some re-release of like a, their a first album that never came out. I don't think so, man. I think it's okay. a, I think it's a callback to like we used to be a prominent ska band, and now we're gotcha. back. That's how I. That's at least how I interpreted it. I could not find really any documentation on that record on, on the internet. Right. And I saw that she had released like a single as well that was very uh, reggae-ish. Yeah. Uh, the vibes that I got. Well, we could get into that later, but I, I have a few thoughts about that as well. But if you, what what are your thoughts about well, that? Well, my uh, thoughts on that are it's that song called New Sound. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. It felt like they were trying to... Just on first listen, it feels like the no doubt trajectory from like Rocksteady, that record Rocksteady, uh-huh, where they were like right. trying to go pretty hard into like Rocksteady and reggae. And they have the the MC calling out the feature at the top. And but then you get into the and it's like it's kind of like a slower, like dub reggae kind of vibe. Right. And the, the production's cool. But the lyrics, man, I just can't. There's a line talking about a girl skanking her troubles away is what I have in quotes on my notes. And it's like, that's the uh, incredibly like self-aware cheesy uh, end of ska that we were talking about earlier, where it's like, if all you're getting out of what's positive in ska music is that skanking is a thing. And like, that's, (laughs) that's the, that's the be all end all of it. Then like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I, Dude, I, I I really didn't like that song. I thought that that song was a rough listen for me. Uh, and yeah, like you said, it's not that the production was bad on it or anything. Like it so- sonically sounds good. And she but- sounds good. Monique is a great singer. Like I yeah. saw her at Warped when, where were they? They were, was it 2017 that they were on Warped? Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. She sounded great. Like the band sounded yeah. awesome, different band, but they, like right. it was a solid show. I had, I enjoyed kind of like reliving all the songs that I'd completely forgotten about on that first record. I enjoyed their set. For for anybody that doesn't know, the name of the band is a reference to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I would assume I would assume the water most, tower, right? Yeah, I would assume that most people knew that, but I don't know. That now I don't see that movie on TV or on the streaming <laughs> things too much anymore. Maybe people don't know that. The band formed in 1996 and yeah. released an EP it sold 20,000 copies of it. That's pretty impressive. And then it was 97 that this cover got huge. So this was like a very quick thing. Yeah, I read that they won a showcase, like a, right. a Grammy showcase around the time that they were promoting their EP. And then that got them a deal with Epic. Yeah. And then they recut 
what all five or six songs on the EP and then added, you know, the cover and four or five more songs. Right. That album that this song is on, I listened to that album today and man, I did not hear a song that a song that I thought was like a strong song. Like maybe you have some nostalgia or memories. That's what I think. Cause I listened back to it uh, last week or the week before in preparation for this. And you know, all of my fondness for that record is, is strictly out of nostalgia as with most music you might listen back to now and be like, you know, this is not quote unquote strong or, you know, the best, but you, you know, you have a soft spot in your, in your heart for it just because of who you were at the time that you listened to it. And I think that's kind of my connection to it. I discovered the come on Eileen cover through uh LimeWire nice. <laughs> because my brother and my dad and I would, we, we loved collecting like covers. We would just like find out, like find like punk covers or like, and they were all mislabeled, right? You'd go on LimeWire and you'd be like, there was like a thousand Pennywise covers of all these different songs, but like maybe only one of them was an actual Pennywise cover, yeah. <laughs> but there was one, it was no doubt come on Eileen. And we're like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. I have a feeling that that kind of, contributed a lot to maybe the the lifespan of this song in carrying into the 2000s because that's how i found out about this band at all dude i think you're 100 percent onto something i mean at the time that this song was at its peak don't speak by no doubt was like top of the charts yeah uh, so that completely makes sense she even you know monique has that same sort of like quality in her voice at certain parts you know that that thing that gwen stefani does with her voice what would you even call that it's like very intense vibrato at the yes, ends, of, yes. ends of phrases gwen's is a little more over the top it's a little more squiggly if you know what i'm saying and, and it's also a little more like nasally <laughs> i think that the reason that uh one of the reasons that no doubt did so well aside from just having really great songs and being an awesome band like there's a lot of character in her voice. It's like, it's pouty. It's got yeah. that vibrato. It's like, you can hear it and just be like, that is Gwen Stefani. No question in my mind. And you can hear Monique and be like, it kind of sounds like Gwen. Like I, if you, if you told me it was no doubt, I would probably believe it and not think too much further, which in the days of LimeWire, that's, that was yeah. the name of the game. Just tell yeah. me. And that's probably correct. I mean, it might be a bold statement, but, I kind of think in the little bit I know of Monique, she might actually be a better like singer than Gwen Stefani. And it's funny to me, like, you know, Gwen Stefani is now a judge on The Voice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, not that that's like the end all be all of like, you're a great singer or whatever. But I think it's like you said, Gwen Stefani has a lot of character to her voice, but I don't think of her as being like this amazing singer. And sometimes it's character in your voice that helps you achieve that superstardom. I mean, look at Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, is anyone totally. going to say Anthony Kiedis is an amazing singer? No. Are you, but are you going to recognize his voice in one note? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, it's not like being a judge on the voice is, is the pinnacle of, mm-hmm. you know, the height of being a great singer. But she has decades of experience on the road singing, performing. And, and I right. think that it's good that there's like a character singer. I mean, maybe it's not great to call her a character singer. She is a great singer. She's got fantastic performances but like i think it's great that to, to see that perspective rather than just like a amazingly technically sound singer for all of the judges because that wouldn't be that's not realistic that's not what singing is that's not what life is that's not you know that's true and it's the songs too like I, I would take i would take yeah someone who's not like this 
uh, world-class singer with a great song over someone who's the greatest singer in the world with just an average song, you know? And that, I mean, yeah. to bring it back around. I kind of think that's what we're talking about here, right? That's yeah. kind of like, that's if if you pin up No Doubt against Safe Ferris, that's, yeah. that's almost exactly the debate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no reason in the world that Monique or Safe Ferris could be like, we're jealous of No Doubt. First of all, you were a band for one year. And second of all, from what I hear, other than Come On Eileen, Dude, I mean, I could be wrong, man, and maybe I needed to spend more time with it, but I was and am huge ska fan, and I just didn't hear a song on the rest of that album that like caught my ear or where I went, oh, damn, this is a good song. They were recorded well, you know, but there was nothing like memorable about the rest of the songs on there. There's like, like fun little moments where like, and again, this is me speaking from, I was a younger, I was like in my... I don't know. I don't remember how old I was when I discovered this record. I was probably like 14 Mm -hmm. where I gravitated towards, you know, some of the horn lines, some of the hooks, some of the, and like it, it, nothing really bothered me that that it wasn't oozing substance. Right. It was just, there's like fun moments. There's a song about spam and like young teenage me probably thought that was funny, which like looking back and when I re-listened to it, I skipped over that song. I was like, Oh, I remember this one (laughs) skip. I don't know. There's some funny moments. A lot of the songs are very, uh, they feel like they were written like almost as if to fit in a nineties movie. If that makes which, sense, which, which, makes which sense. Cause they were right. <laughs> they, yeah. But they, I, were they playing, were they playing covers in, in 10 things I hate about you? Like I didn't recognize any of the songs in that movie. I didn't know if they were from nineties, nineties uh, teen flick aficionado, Matt producer Kelly here. <laughs> yeah. So they have an original song in 10 Things I Hate About You, but the song ends in a cover of the breakdown of Shout is the way that it worked. It was very weird. And wow. yeah, I remember that well, but I just, what is that song off of Modified then? No, it was recorded exclusively for the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack because it has oh. guest vocals from the producer of the soundtrack. Wow. Whoa. Hold on. Is this on Spotify? Because you are blowing is, my mind right now. It is now. not. I was actually devastated because it's probably the best song they ever wrote too. <laughs> want to give a little bit of respect to the first song on the album world is new while it wasn't a hit probably got more traction in the sense that it did appear in a ton of television and movie because it just has a very catchy horn line yeah i think that my problem and once again i can sorry say ferris which is i guess just one person now (laughs) i i just don't hear a lot of substance in the song and i was you know, so into the style of music that they played. And, you know, I think about like, there were other, you know, ska slash punk bands from that time who I thought should have been way bigger than they were. Like, dude, like Dancehall Crashers. Mm-hmm. Love that band. That album, Lockjaw. Do you know that album, Eric? No. Oh, dude. It's so good. That album actually doesn't have horns on it, but it's it's a ska punk album without horns. I think that caused a little bit of controversy for their band that they like, 
got signed to a major and then dropped their horns. I I heard that through the grapevine that that was like controversial, but the songs are great. The songs are amazing. And like, there's a lot of bands from that world that just like great song after great song. And, and just, I don't know. So this, yeah, such a, such a small body of work. And in my opinion, such a lack of songs here. Yeah. I I mean, you know, like you said, the performances are good. I do. I think that the band and Monique sound really good on that record. I played, we haven't played in a, in a sec, but I, nobody has. (laughs) Yeah, I know in a ska cover band that originally started as a band that was going to only cover like, like third wave ska is incredibly niche. Like as I'm saying it out loud, party like it's you're talking about party like it. I'm talking about party like it's yes, that's correct. So that, and then we would do like ska and reggae covers of modern top 40 songs or like eighties, nineties, top 40 songs. And we actually played the world is new and the safe Ferris arrangement of come on Eileen for a really long time. We haven't played the world is new in a sec. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Sorry if I'm offending you by saying I don't, <laughs> I don't like this song that you cover. Man, you're not offending me at all. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be hurt by that. <laughs> I do like The World is... It's a fun song to play. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that... I, I get why it was, like Matt said, was great for like sync and commercials and TV and whatever. Because it is very much captivating just instrumentally from the get-go. <laughs> There's a song on the record called Goodbye. And in my notes, <laughs> I just have jessica rabbit intro it sound it's like uh <laughs> like you played roger rabbit yeah yeah exactly no. like there's and when i say like a lot of the songs feel very like they were written to be in movies it's like a lot of the moments on this record feel like you know in in the mask when there's like the band and he's he dances with cameron diaz yeah so it's like you're saying it's like big band music or, or yeah, something totally. along like those super lines. spy towards the end yeah there's i like listened a, to that song today yeah there's like the the horns are doing like a little chips ahoy <laughs> theme song <laughs> while the while the guitar is noodling and it's like i i really hear that 
kind of vibe. I mean, I think that says it all, man. <laughs> a very Chips Ahoy vibe. <laughs> that was your buddy who made the Scud documentary, right? Yeah, Taylor Morden. Yeah. Directed uh, Pick uh, It Up. I mean, and the, the, the sad part, it, I mean, spoiler alert, but I think this is kind of common knowledge. The sad part is like how ska music got like, for better way to put it, like commercialized literally in commercials. <laughs> like right. it was like the soundtrack to like bank commercials or like Nickelodeon Totino's commercial and stuff like that. And it just became <laughs> like all, all the heart was taken out of it and it became like this really silly thing and and it, it was kind of heartbreaking <laughs> that that happened yeah. and, and it's it's like moments like this that you're talking about from say ferris it's like y- you aren't helping that cause if you're doing this silly <laughs> these yeah, silly but things but like speaking from at least my own perspective of someone who got into ska being like 11 through like ages of like 11 and 15 it's that like fun you know, the things that would attract someone to ska music in a commercial, I think, was kind of also the same thing that drew me into it as a young listener. Right. Where, like, I wasn't necessarily listening for the street cred or the, like, right the authenticity of it. I was listening for, you know, the same stuff that made me buy the, and really like the Safe Ferris record for, for a good chunk of my adolescence. You know, I, I was talking about this recently. Actually, I was talking about it with Chris DeMakes from the band Less Than Jake, one of the most iconic ska punk bands of all time. I think that we can agree on that. About how when I first heard ska music, I was young enough that I wasn't thinking about anything when I listened to music. I wasn't thinking about anything minus how the music made me feel. Whereas exactly. you and I, if when we hear a band now, we hear, we're we're hearing so many things. We're ruined. We're tainted because we, we are. Of, yeah, it's all the all the technical things take over the like we'll never be able to just hear a song for the first time and just hear the song. Right. We're hearing like, oh, I love the bass line or oh, mm-hmm. we I love that what they did with the production there. But I, I was young enough and inexperienced enough when I first heard Scott music that there was something about the sound of it that sounded different than everything else. It was like a new sound to me and it made me feel good. Yeah. It was uplifting. So I, I get what you're saying. And, and it makes sense. And I wish that I could hear music like that and it's not the same man that i can't still love a no i I get you but it's funny because you say that and now like me especially you know having being a producer and running a studio and all that stuff i know so if i had listened to because now i have a few technical notes that i made about the recording of come on eileen the safe ferris version oh i want to hear them i don't know if you noticed the symbols the overheads on the drum mix are Uh like almost non-existent there's you can't hear a cymbal crash anywhere you can hear a couple open hi-hat hits like within the verse phrases, but like for the most part, it's kick and snare the entire time, which is huh. very strange. And I, I can't imagine, I have to imagine there were symbols that were played. It's just a mixed decision. Right. My other note is, I don't know. I assume they were making this record to tape because it was 1996, 1997. Yeah. Right on that border of pro tools. I've been yeah. hearing a lot about that. It's interesting lately, man. I've been hearing a lot about that transition. There were a couple producers, namely, Howard, Howard Benson, Benson. Yeah. and and recently uh, I also learned that David Kahn was on that that okay. Pro Tools thing. You're you're right on that on right cusp. on that fence at this time. Yeah. yeah, but so now I'm wondering, as someone who played the come the Safe Ferris arrangement of Come On Eileen in a cover band and had to learn it, the tuning it's I I guess it starts in B major, but it's a little bit flat, like. Whoa. just enough to be annoying if you're like playing along to it on Spotify. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was a tape machine thing, if it was like 
biased weird or like if it was the speed of the tape but it is because i can imagine with having horns like it's that's a very specific and then having to sing on top of it and do bass like i can't imagine that they recorded it somewhere between b flat and b dude that is so weird i mean but dude okay i can't dude i've never thought about this before do people would p has that been done do people do that people record you know how uh when you connect like a guitar tuner a is 440 440 yeah, yeah okay yeah. so there are theories where you know if you record it a 432 or a 444 where it's just a little bit flat or a little bit sharp that the way that those frequencies resonate with the frequencies of the universe is a oh more satisfying this is a real thing that people believe <laughs> that's in. A, that's a, i feel like that's such a stretch but what do i know there's a lot of dude i remember back when i thought back before we worked with producers and things like that i thought you're gonna laugh, but you're also gonna know that I'm right about this because I you thought I that the amount of the time, the amount, the length of a record was the amount of time it took to make a record. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's funny. I, I thought that growing up. I was like, <laughs> I why did it take them a month to make this record? The record's only thirty minutes long. <laughs> that's that's, that's even more ridiculous. But but <laughs> but what I was getting at was that I thought mixing was just volumes. <laughs> I thought it was like. Oh, you just make this louder. What's so hard about mixing? You just make things louder or quieter and yeah. not thinking about like, I learned like working with producers like, no, the, there's a, it's a science. It's you're dealing with frequencies and you're dealing with like all these things. And I just thought it was like, oh, you push this up. Yeah, you you're dealing with down. you're dealing with sonic real estate is what it is. You know, you yeah, carve out space for one thing so that some other thing has room to exist. And that's right. That's the real art. All laymen, you know, you know, ninety nine percent of people out there who who don't, and some people that do know a lot about music think that that's what mixing is, right? <laughs> right. Well, don't even get me started on mastering. <laughs> oh, dude. To be honest, <laughs> I I understand mastering, but I also don't. You know, like right. I I know what it does, <laughs> but like to understand the science behind it, like uh, I don't totally understand. I would the say mastering is way less scientific than mixing. Um, it's you know, it's it's a lot more straightforward. But anyway, right. oh yeah, the A four thirty two, A four forty four. I've worked with bands that have like sworn by it, and for me on the back end, I don't notice a single difference. It's just more annoying when I go to like edit things and pitch correct vocals. I have to right. like knowingly switch it to 444 yeah. instead of 440 and then sometimes i forget to switch it back so then the next project i work on oh. that has normal tuning but it's a thing so now you learned a yeah. little something that's a yeah. thing and yeah. I, don't I, mean, into it. I was gonna say like what torture it would be if, if people like slightly tuned every like between two notes what torture that would be for everyone who wanted to like you just said to play along to it on you know turn it on like learn the song play along like yeah. what what a dick move that would be <laughs> to all the, yeah, all the people I mean, that wanted to learn your song and play along which is you know come on eileen is it's noticeably flatter than b major but it's not too close to b flat so i do think it was like a tape mistake or gotcha. something weird because it's not just guitar, bass, and vocals. You're introducing horns, and that's like you're stacking all of these things, all these harmonies, and all this stuff. And it's like I can't imagine that someone knowingly did that <laughs> as like right, an artistic right. choice, especially <laughs> a band that's been around for a year before they're recording their cover, which is going to be their breakout single. <laughs> right. Hey, yo. Okay, that leads to one more thing I want to talk about with you, man. And as you know, we're both guys who have enjoyed our peaks and valleys of making music, you know? Mm. And like, I got no complaints. I'm, I'm happy. I feel successful. Like maybe I'm not, but I feel that way. And I think that's a good way to feel. And I think you should feel that way too. You've, Absolutely. You've, 
you've achieved a, a lot of awesome things, man. Congratulations on that. Because I've known you since you were a boy. I've known you since you were a boy. Who You probably we, knew me. Uh, let's see. The first time I met you, I probably had just bought that Save Ferris record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you were a, a very young boy that I knew who liked our music, our band's played together and just like you and your bandmates in the diesel pigeons, just the nicest kids. Like I would, <laughs> regardless of being friends all these years later, I would, would have never forgot you guys just because you were so nice and your band was good. And you're just like, you guys were so little. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, man. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause yeah, our bass player was Zach Vogel, Evan, yeah. our singer's younger brother. And he was, we were seniors in high school when he was like a freshman. And right. so he was like, always that was the thing people gravitated towards he had this base that was you know as tall as he was yeah. and like <laughs> oh my god there was one show that we played with you guys in virginia it was like you guys and farewell on yep the, and it was in a little uh it was jam and little, java yep jam and java yeah that's yep, the place yep. man I, and, and i have a picture of us from that day somewhere you do we, we, we were in the van I, don't, I think we were listening to a new punch like i was playing you guys like a newer punchline thing and and dude i gotta find it somewhere it's a picture of the four of us like i was playing the song for you guys in the van here's what i wanted to get at being who we are or whatever so now when you think about save ferris or you think about the ataris would you and this is this is a heated debate i feel like among my bandmates and friends and whatever Mm -hmm. would you want to have a hit that was a cover at this point okay let me say this. You're talking to a guy who, with Party Like It's, we've arguably the most successful project I've ever been a part of because we put out videos, music videos that were also right. directed by Taylor, who did the Skydoc, accumulated millions of hits collectively. I don't personally feel a lot of like satisfaction in that. There's an art form in, in doing the arrangement, and th- with yeah. that comes a little bit of originality, but I don't know. I've kind of shared the sentiment that you have where like, oh my God, if my only single, only single, like Alien Ant Farm or the Ataris was a cover right <laughs> i don't know man that i mean yeah that's it's it's rough because i like to think that you could now see i don't know if there's the same amount i don't of money. think there's coming back from it like the ataris i know has like a diehard fan base on their own alien ant farm i don't know if i could say the same for but like that's the thing that they're always going to be known for it's rare that someone yeah gets a i can't even think of an example but where someone gets a hit off a cover and then as their first hit Yes. And mm-hmm. then has several more hits like after that cover. I mean, I'm sure there's got to be examples. It has to have happened. Yeah. And I'm sure that after the, after we record this, I'm going to get a, like Matt will have a list of like 50 of them. Like, oh, okay. I was completely wrong. But off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of it. And, you know, I, I, I say this, you know, in Punchline, we just recently, we, we've done some covers over the, we did like a cover ZP of songs yeah. from 94 and things like that. Over the course of our band, I feel like in comparison to like all these bands out there that have done like whole entire albums of like covers and stuff, we really haven't done a lot, a lot of covers for a band that's been together for like 23 years. But we recently, we, we recorded a new cover, just got a mix of it back yesterday. And, and Steve in our threat, in our thread, I mean, maybe half jokingly or whatever said something along the lines that he would hate it if this was our hit or something like, but I always like to think that regardless of like what the hit was that you got, that you can then I feel like I would know enough to be able to parlay that success into more success, whether whether it's because of the financial aspect that now you can afford to like hire that producer you want to work with or sure. record all these songs or buy ads or whatever, hire publicists, do all use that the funding to further your career. 
or build a studio, you know, build a studio or whatever. But yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't know, like that's, that's, it's a really like existential type of question for an artist, you know? I will say this. I know I kept mentioning Alien Ant Farm. I I did own Anthology, which is the record that uh, Smooth Criminal was on. Movies is on that, right? Movies, movies is on that. Wish, like that which was, Wish, which was on the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three soundtrack. Which is nice. like, like when I say Tony, like that's that's. I first heard Less Than Jake in Tony Hawk Four. Like right. that was like. I found out about a lot of my music from those games. And so, Tony Hawk's a big deal for punk rock music. It's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that that led to a lot of people's quote unquote ska phases. Like, I think that if you're into like punk music in any way, shape or form, whether you like to admit it or not, you had a, a ska phase, whether it lasted a day or a week or a couple of years, you know, Mine like was, I, I had a ser- like, I feel like my phase isn't officially over. I don't, I don't yeah. consider it a phase. I consider that's a style of music that has, it was so influential on me as a songwriter and a bassist. And it, yeah. I mean, as a bassist, I've talked about this a lot, but like, dude, what better music when I'm starting to play in bands and learning the bass, what better style of music to learn when I'm learning yeah. like journey, the end of the East Bay and, and, yeah, and take it, take it for a walk, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I could have very easily a few years earlier been playing the root note in misfit songs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that's what it could have been. And like, I'm thankful for ska music for like making me at least better at bass, <laughs> yeah, you know? Totally. And yeah. As far as the question about like, would I want a hit to be a cover? I, I, I say that I would take it in the hopes that I could parlay that into more success <laughs> yeah so, i mean I, oh here we go so i looked it up it's hard to argue that any of only one of these i would argue was actually like a legitimate hit but based off musictimes.com here's a list of famous bands whose first single was a cover song okay so there was the Lemonheads with luca and then obviously they also did Mrs. Robinson, which I would mm. argue was their biggest hit. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana's first single was Love Buzz, which was a cover of The Shocking Blue. Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' first cover, uh, first single was a cover of In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. The Cramps' first single was Surfin' Bird. And the really big one, the one that I would argue actually is like a hit, was Jimi Hendrix's first single was Hey Joe. Oh, wow. Dude, this list is whack. This <laughs> list is, first of all, I, it's I'm, like you ask the question and then you get an answer. And yeah, that's not and the I, answer I wanted. I, no, it's, yeah, but I feel like it's just furthering my point is like, okay, the Nirvana yeah. thing, dude, come on. I mean, smells like teen spirit is what like, yeah, you know, that's, the smash. that's what we, that's what every freaking normal person in the world considers the first Nirvana single. Okay. They released some cover like back when they were still like an underground band. Okay. I get that. But then the rest of those, like, I mean, that, that is, that list did not convince me of this, (laughs) that that, that, that this is, I I don't know. No offense, Matt. I appreciate the research. (laughs) I'm not talking shit on your research. That quick research was not enough. No, Um, no, no. (laughs) I think that, I don't know. I like having a hit quote unquote is like just so much more of a uh, mythical thing <laughs> nowadays i feel like especially yeah. for for bands and musicians in our world in our genre you know we're starting That's to see changed. a little we're starting to see a little bit of like music guitar music pop punk kind of break back into the mainstream which is great but i don't know like for me i think that covers are a fantastic way to cast a really wide net and bring people back to your other music cuz yeah. just like the days of limewire i might hear a 
you know, a newfound glory cover of some of one of their from the screen right. to your stereo songs and be like, whoa, this is cool. What is this band all about? That had to do so much for them. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, I, it's whether it's a hit or not, it, it definitely does leaps and bounds for casting a wider net for your audience. And I think it's always about putting your own spin on it. Yeah. On it. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't cover things verbatim. You, you put your own spin on it. And like you said, it is a lot of times it is in hopes that people are going to check out your original songs. Yeah. Maybe not in the wait, did party like it's, did you guys have a, a few so original songs? Here's the thing with party. Yeah, we did. We have a few that are out. We rebranded. We have a, it's the same exact lineup, but a different name called the can't evens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that yeah. is all that's meant to be for the original music and party right. like it's is meant to be, for the cover shows so as to not confuse people. Which I think people. is However, genius, by the way. Do you? Okay, because it was... I do, I do because... It was quite a debate within our within the confines of well, our band for a long time. No, I think that's great, man, because, like, I've... Obviously, I've talked about this with friends and whatever, but, like, yeah, I mean, there's also, once there's shows and stuff again, there's... there's Honestly, there's money to be made. You know, people sometimes just want to go out and hear songs they already know like that's right and so and it's funny because in in the dc maryland virginia area the market especially in like northern virginia the market for cover bands is bananas like yeah we can go out and play a three-hour set and make two grand in a night yeah. and it's just like right. it's stupid and so with that with party like it's we'll still throw in our original music the ones that fit and right. you know we've 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 like designed you know audience participation bits for the songs that they don't know and it just it fits in with the rest of the tune so like we've been a little bit methodical about that but um hey and there's a joy in playing whether you wrote the song or not there's a joy in playing a great song (laughs) you know like absolutely undeniable uh regardless of money or crowds or whatever. And it's, it's obviously preferable for people to be singing along and having a good time to your original music, but there's not a damn thing wrong with uh, playing a song that someone else wrote that. I mean, you can do that within your own band. It could be your bandmate who wrote the song. You could still play it and and, and love playing it and, and feel that, uh, that sense of just love of music. So yeah, man, I don't know. There's, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna say a bad thing about, say Ferris having this hit because of this song or anybody having a hit because of a cover song. I think that more power to you, but we've come to the point in the episode where we have to decide. And I don't know. Did save Ferris bring the one hit thunder or was this a one hit blunder? This is, this is a tough one. I I was thinking about this as soon as Matt asked me and I picked this song, I was like, well, dang, I feel like either way there's going to be flack. Yeah, I, I do just, have yeah, before. Yeah. Actually, I have one last thing that I wanted to touch on with their okay. follow up record. Yeah, I don't know if that throws up the or throws off the order of things, but there's yeah. a song Matt compiled a playlist of like the, you know, the songs we should definitely check out before the episode. And there's a song right. from their 1999 record called Modify. The song is called Turn It Up. Yep. And I have written in my notes trend chameleon question mark because you play the song and within the first five seconds there's dj scratches which 1999 you have smash mouth you have sugar ray you have all these bands that are just dominating radio with dj scratches and so it's just like it's i've never heard that term before i never heard that term before i like oh i think i just made it up but um it's good 
Thank you. Um, but I think that, you know, with, but the horn players are still credit on that record. Are there no horns on that record? I have no idea. There were some horns on that record. Yeah, there are some songs that have them. There are some. There were some. I, I thought, you know, when I heard "Mistaken," I thought that that I actually had that album, okay. and, and I didn't even have this one with "Come On Eileen" on. I had that one, and I I really only like that <laughs> "Mistaken" song. Mistaken. And there were like some Scottish song, but yeah, man, that's that's another strike against them. I mean, like, looking at the cover, they look tough it looks like they're like an evanescence type yeah (laughs) but then you have the logo like it's funny because the way that the word modified is written is like very moody and then you have the save ferris logo which is like 90s and bubbly and it's the same logo from their ska record dude it's (laughs) it's um there's there's a i think there's a difference between evolving as a band and abandoning and just trying to yeah and just just whatever's popular just grasping at as hard as possible to fit in with what's pop because dude honestly by the time you do that if something's huge at that moment this moves on yeah yeah by the time you release your thing first of all it's already been done second of all by the time you release it it's it's gone you know and and it's just oh and don't don't get me wrong don't get me wrong about smash mouth i unironically love smash mouth like fushu mang and astro lounge are amazing records eric valentine on production oh my god don't even get me started but and the great heights band my one my other band we uh commissioned a dj to dj scratch on our song called straight to hell there's definitely some dj scratches on that well i don't think doing dj scratches now (laughs) is is necessarily following some trend like you know if you it's, if anything, it's kind it's, of like <laughs> it's kind of like ori- original now. Like I don't I don't hear that in a lot of songs now, <laughs> you yeah. know. But I wouldn't think that you're chasing anything at the moment <laughs> doing that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, I, there's just too many. I mean, only being a band for a year and then releasing this, having a hit off a cover, and then, in my opinion, not having a, a strong body of work behind that and then on top of that all of the like tons of great punk ska bands that didn't achieve that success that in my opinion should have over save ferris and then on top of that add in the like trend chameleon type stuff and add in the fact that she then reformed the band without the band (laughs) later and just all these strikes man i just think this band's a blunder like and i'm not just i this might sound like over the top but this might be the biggest blunder that we've ever had on wow and and i'm saying and i'm including crazy town (laughs) in this and like i just really think this is like a this is bad man this is just really i mean and that's nothing to take that's not taking away anything from monique as a singer she's yeah obviously a great singer but geez like this the path of this band is just it's rough man this this is not yeah i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna have to regretfully agree with you just not not to turn my back the fond nostalgia that i feel when i listen to it means everything i do i have like you know really good memories of that record but man listening back uh, just trying to come come at it from a completely like third party standpoint without mm-hmm. any <laughs> preconceived anything. It just right. it really it doesn't quite hold up the way that I remembered. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. Just the song. I mean, you know, everything. I I did think it was really interesting hearing you talk about like product. Like I I don't think I've talked to anybody about production really too much on here. So that was cool to hear uh, your notes on that part of it. But cool. Okay. 
well, I didn't mean to be so harsh on Say Ferris, you know. Uh, but, I'm just gonna uh, kindly, uh, kindly backpedal through everything. I did, I did backpedal a little bit in case I like, you know, meet these people at some point or something, dude. You know, sometimes the bands listen to the episodes. Hey, shout out Nine Days, oh, <laughs> Nine yeah, Days yeah, if yeah. you're listening. Uh, great band. Hell yeah! Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it's Thanks awesome for having me, to. bud. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network. Underneath me, you're hearing Found Out About You off the Punchline cover album, Songs from 94. Matt and Chris are excited to announce our new company, We Know Podcasting. If you've always wanted to host a podcast but didn't know how to get started or just want some feedback on your current podcast, just contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for rates and our services. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Did you love me only in my head? Well, the things you said and did to me You seem to come so easily Everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.